Hi, this is Michael, and you're listening to Soma's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It's our vision as a church to help as many people come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. This podcast is a vehicle to further that vision. If the content has encouraged you in any way, we'd love to invite you to join us in helping us reach more people with the message of Jesus through this podcast and all that we do as a church. You can help by giving on our website at soma.church. If you're ever in the area on a Sunday, we'd love to host you. For more information about location and service times, you can visit us at soma.church. Church. Enjoy the message. We've been in this series for the past few weeks, and last week we heard on Find Freedom. This week we're going to continue that talk. Ephesians 1 is our theme verse. If, if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there with me. And if you don't, don't have a Bible, uh, we'll throw it up on the screen for you. But Ephesians 1, 17 through 18, the Apostle Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him, and if you already know him, so that you know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And he says, hey, in order to kind of get freed up to the hope to which he's called you, in order for this glorious inheritance to take place, you got to have the eyes of your heart uh, enlightened. you got to be able to see things and people the way that God sees them and, and not through the filter of brokenness or past sin or, or burden or some of the things, not through bitterness, not through unforgiveness, but he really wants you to free you up so that, and he, keeps, he goes on, he says, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. And I love that phrasing. He's called us to a great hope, and that looks like purpose. We're going to talk more about that today. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, all of it ultimately is about, a, is about being part of something so much bigger than the, any particular part that you and I play. He calls us into being a family, the family of God. And so um, I love it because the Apostle Paul says, I pray that you get a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Paul says, I wish you could see what I see. And when, when, when God lets you see uh, him and experience him and begin to kind of deal with some things in your heart and begin to experience the freedom and some deliverance, you're given over to a great hope and a purpose and a direction for your life. And so uh, if you can't see what God's doing, man, we have problems. God wants us to have some clarity in our life and a real sense of direction. I love what Mark Twain says uh, about purpose and, and about this moment. He says, the two most important days in your life are the day that you were born and then the day that you find out why. Like, what was I made for? Why am I here? What, what, what's the point? What is this about? And here's, here's what we believe as a church. Uh, this series, we just talked about our mission as a church. There's really four kind of uh, primary things that we point people towards, really a, a journey and a direction. And we're, our job as a church is to be a vehicle to help as many people as possible know God so they can find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Okay, so just repeat those with me. Say, know God, find freedom discover purpose, make a difference. That's what we see in Ephesians 1. That's what we see all throughout Scripture. That's God's desire for you and for me and everybody that you've ever met. That's where he wants to meet us. And so today, step three, we're talking discover purpose. Discover purpose. And so there's several studies done uh, some years ago between Barna and some, uh, some seminaries, and they, it was around uh, purpose inside of the church. They questioned people inside the local church and said, hey, do you feel like you know you're doing the thing that you're called to do? Do you feel like you're doing the thing with your life, what you were made for? And over 80% of the people that they polled said, no. 
I don't know what I'm supposed to be when I grow up. I don't really, I don't know if I'm in my sweet spot. I don't know if I'm dialed in on my purpose. And that's just wild when we think about, for us as a church, we call it, so soma, if you're new to our church family, soma is the Greek word for the body. And in Ephesians 4 and Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, 12, Paul says, hey, even though you're many members, you're one body. And, uh, but just imagine if your body, 80 or 80% of your body didn't function the way that it was supposed to function. Like your ear didn't realize, hey, your job is hearing. Like it was like, I'm going to be a knee today. Or your nose stopped smelling or your eyes stopped working or your just legs stopped. Like over 80% of the body isn't functioning. And this is the current state of the church. Really the current state of humanity. Where there's so many people who struggle with fulfillment, a sense of purpose, a sense that their lives matter. A sense like you get excited to get out of bed in the morning, right? And if you haven't had that moment, you need that moment where you're just pumped, like you're excited for the thing that you know God's called you to do. And so there's some things that keep us from experiencing our purpose, some things that we really should be aware of as we navigate and think about, God, what have you called me to do? One is confusion. So confusion. Um, and so it, it's that moment where you just, you're just not very aware. You know anybody, y'all know anybody who's self-unaware? They just are unaware of themselves. Uh, socially, maybe, it's real awkward or just like, or just like in their suites. If you don't know anybody, it's probably you. But like somebody who's just like not operating in their, in their sweet spot. We need, we need the kindness of others and, and we need truth and grace. We need somebody to walk up to us sometime and be like, hey, you're not good at that. Like, you need, like you need that moment. And like, I have that moment. If you're married, you have that moment, right? And so, amen. And but you have somebody who just, but you also need someone in kindness to come up to you and be like, you're amazing at that. Like, to affirm what needs to be affirmed and to help you really navigate, okay, what am I called to do? What am I purpose for? What am I good at? We all have gifts. We all have talents. We all have things that we inherited, things that we learned, things we grew in. And uh, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have spiritual gifts. So you need discernment. You need to really figure out con the, the confusion around what am I called to do? You need to know, do I have the gift of prayer? Do I have the gift of worship or evangelism or knowledge or discernment? You need clarity. Another enemy of purpose is comparison. So if it's not confusion, it's comparison. And a lot of people, we can't see our purpose because we're focused on somebody else's. Uh, you, 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 know, you get on Instagram and you want their life or their school or their car or their money or their job or their hair. You fill in the blank. Um, and, and so, but a lot of times what you're looking at isn't even like a real expression of who they are or their lived experience. And instead of living your life and stewarding what God put in your hand and focusing on your portion, you're just going, man, I just... Like, I wish I had what they had, you know? And so you're spending your life right there. Stop comparing your behind the scenes to somebody else's highlight reels. Nobody posts the letter of denial. Nobody. I, this is my dream school. Did not get in. Nobody, nobody posts that, right? So nobody, no one shares about the jobs they didn't get. Nobody posts the pic of the giant bump in the middle of their forehead uh, or, or, the, or the, the unflattering angle with, like, three chins. You know what I mean? Like, everything's, like, pot, good angles, airbrush. That pic... That pig was for three years ago, right? And, you're, and so we're always looking at like, uh, you know, the highly polished version of somebody else's reality. But comparison will rob you of purpose and joy and is such a distraction. Your purpose is waiting on you. So the whole idea is stop focusing on what, uh, you, know, you know, drooling over what somebody else has going on and begin to steward uh, what God's put in your hand. Begin to express gratitude and thanks for where God has you. 
And it's not just like a thing that we do on social media. This is a thing that we do, and you can do it in your job. You can do it in relationships. You can do it with your kids. You can do it with, like, all kinds of things. Do it in ministry. I can do it in ministry. F- moment of vulnerability. We've had 141 people come to faith in Christ since the beginning of the year. Y'all can clap for that. Yes. Yes. Y'all can clap for anything else today. Woo! It's crazy. It's a miracle. And then I got friends who have, they're in a completely different season, larger churches, just different, just different call, different portion. And they'll just be like, yeah, we had 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. That's Sunday. I'm like, good night. You know, like, and, and so you start, you're like, oh, my, because I'm focused on their portion and not my own. Instead of stewarding, okay, God, what have you called me to do? What have you graced me for? What's my focus? What, like, help me to not be distracted or compare what you have going on, the miracle that you have going on in my life. And, 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 and really, the quickest way to kill something special in your life is to begin to compare it to what others have. So listen, you need to just begin to speak life over it. I have an amazing house. Thank you, God, for my house. I have an amazing marriage. Thank you, God, for my marriage. I have amazing kids. Thank you for my kids. I have it. Just begin to, just begin to speak life over it. And, and uh, stop scrolling for comparison. That's the easiest thing. That's a, that'll, that'll free you up. If you need to shut it down, shut down social media, whatever you got to do to not be distracted, comparison will keep you from purpose. Here's another one is counterfeit. And so we, we sell out for less than, um, than really what God wants us to experience. Really, it's just idols. It's just the biblical term is idolatry, where um, you and I, we just sell out for something that's counterfeit. Ephesians 2.10 reminds us that God has had, he's had a purpose and a call in our life from before you were even born. He's what Paul says. He says, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So you were saved by grace. There ain't nothing you could do to deserve it. There's nothing you could do except accept it, except surrender your life and just go, okay, I'll take what you're offering me, which is salvation and forgiveness of sin. And you can take all of my sin, past, present, and future, and I'm saved by grace. But now guess what? I'm saved for good works. So, which now I have a part to play. You have a job for me to do is what he tells us in Ephesians 2.10. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You don't have to make a purpose. You just have to discover yours. And so purpose comes first. And some of us will spend a lifetime trying to find it in counterfeit idols and so many of us, we sell out. And so we're concerned more about comfort or more about pleasures or we're concerned about things or money and stuff and power and platform. And you fill in the blank with whatever your counterfeit is. But all of us, we've had that thing where it'll tug at you. And instead of being faithful to who God's called me to be, who he's called me to become and the, and the purpose that he has for my life, this, this feels good. This is comfortable. This is safe. This is popular. This is you fill in the blank with whatever. And so what's the things that are distracting you from your purpose? Um, and so the, the thought is, I know I'm supposed to be about these things with my life and my time and my resources. I know that God's called me to do this. But man, I just, I have a tendency to sell out. And so confusion, comparison, or counterfeit, they're enemies of purpose. And the question becomes, how do I know if I struggle with any of these? And, and the answer comes in the way that God's designed you. God's designed in me reveals God's destiny for me. And so he literally created you on purpose and for a purpose. As you are one of one. I tell people all the time here, like you're one of one. There's never going to be another you. You're amazing. You're so unique. There's never going to be someone with your gifts, your relationships, your passions, 
your context, your parents, where you were born, the thing, like all the things that come into play. And there's going to be people that you can reach and serve in your life that nobody else can reach and serve the way that you can. Think about how crazy that is. You're one of one. It's a unique call. And so God's design reveals his destiny. And uh, if you look at how you're made, how you're wired, it points to what you were designed to do. And so here's, uh, here's a number of things. I think there's seven, actually. Uh, yeah, seven things that are going to help us really, as you're thinking through, okay, what am I purpose for? What is the call in my life? Here's some things biblically that we see. The first is natural talents. What abilities do you naturally possess? This is the one that comes alive for people. It's the easiest one. It's kind of low-hanging fruit. You don't have to believe in God or have a relationship with Jesus to be like, yeah, if you're good at it, just do that. And so natural talents is something we know points towards purpose. Uh, Quick story, a few years ago, like Natalie Jane, our 11-year-old, she was playing soccer. She was five at the time. They recruited your boy to coach the five-year-old soccer team that year. And uh, I've, like, I've been on the soccer field like once in my life. I was a football player, not really built like a soccer player. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'm, I'm like, cool, don't play the game, don't know jack about soccer, of course I'll coach. So I bought a John Wooden biography, this is a true story. Read it and I was like thinking about like motivational quotes and they're five years old, they don't care. They're not even aware of any of it. And I bought a whistle and I'm like yelling at five year olds, it was amazing. And so, that, so this is our experience, but we, we played this team, we were horrible, we were so bad. Uh, we played this team that year, and on this team, there was this kid named Midas. Midas was a five-year-old, and he was in real short, amazing hair. Amazing. I'm like, first of all, your name is Midas, and your hair is amazing. Anyway, I was already in love with this kid. And then, and then he scored five goals on us in the first half. Like, his footwork was so dumb for a five. Like, how do you have footwork like that? Your legs are not even that big. And then like, you're, but he was doing stuff with the ball. I'm just like, what? And I was in awe. I was filming this brother. I'm not joking. Like I'm, all, like I'm coaching. I'm just like, who is this kid? And uh, his dad takes him out. His dad was coaching, takes him out at the half as like a mercy rule. He's just like, that's enough. We're good. Call off the dogs. And so he scores five goals in a half against us. At the end of the game, I go over to this. I'm taking a picture with Midas. All my team's looking at me like, what? What are you doing? I'm like, because you never know, like Midas is my, I mean, you're going pro, like, but like natural talent was so strong that I was like, this kid, can anybody see this? He's like LeBron of like, of soccer, like, look at this kid. So I'm taking a picture with him, but natural talent points towards purpose. Another one is spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. What are your primary motivational gifts? We, we just hit spiritual gifts earlier, but um, it's hard for us to figure out our spiritual gifts because some of you are like, I didn't even know. I had spiritual gifts, but spiritual gifts is one of those things. One, you need to study like what scripture says about spiritual gifts. I want to invite all of you, if you haven't been, to Growth Track. We actually take two assessments. One talks about how you're wired, like chemistry, the makeup, how you engage other people. Am I introverted, extroverted, task-oriented, people-oriented? Like where, what's my fit in terms of those types of things, but also specifically spiritual gifts. What's God's call in my life when it comes to the gifts that I have? Because there's a lot of people who are sitting out here and you have spiritual gifts. You're just not even aware. Just things that you do and you're so good at them or you're passionate about them and you never even thought, oh, snap, that's a gift. Like, uh, but you need to try certain things on. Like, in order to determine what your spiritual gifts are, you have to just try stuff. People are like, how do I know? It's like, try it. <laughs> how do I know if I'm bad at basketball? play basketball and then you will know whether or not like and the same thing's true for spiritual gifts like you know try it out again there's there's over 80 percent of the local church unaware of their calling their purpose their gifts 
And that's just so sad. So is it leadership? Is it teaching? Is it hospitality? Is it mercy? Is it prayer? You'll never know until you try it. Just try it out. And uh, so spiritual gifts is the second one. The third one is inward desires. What do I really want to do? What has God put inside of me that I really desire to do? And again, I'm not talking about uh, sinfulness or brokenness or those types of wants. I'm talking about the type that, the, that David says in the Psalms when he says, God, you give me the desires. Of my, like you give me not what I want. You give me the desire that I have. So what's the God-ordained desire? Maybe It could be a justice initiative. It, certain things make you angry or you have a burden for like a particular thing. Um, or, or a group of people or a place to serve and God has your heart in a particular place. And uh, I just think about people who come, we don't have a suggestion box here as a church. People give suggestions anyway. I don't know. I, I don't know if that happens at your place of work, but people are like, Hey, we should do this better. This is stupid. And so, so, but a lot of times when people have a particular passion towards a thing or a burden towards a thing, that's my opportunity to be like, Hey, I feel like you should, the people are like, you know what we need to start? We need to start this ministry. And I'm like, awesome. You do it. Right. So because I'm like, because I'm like, that's your burden. And, and we already have a vehicle for that. Like start up whatever that ministry is by way of group, start what, you know, and if you have a passion and a burden, um, it'll point those inward desires. So number four is results and fruit. Where does my life produce the most? Your purpose has produce. Where you, where you were meant to serve and where, you, uh, where your purpose is, you will bear fruit. You just will. Even if you're unaware. Even if you're not aware, you'll still bear fruit in those areas. And so take inventory. Where, where do I have the most results? The fifth thing is affirmation and recognition. What do others affirm about me? This kind of goes along with that natural talent piece. And some of it, you might know that you're good at a thing because you can feel it, but it, it hits different when somebody says it, when somebody affirms verbally how good you are at a thing. And I'm not talking about your mom. Your mom thinks you're great at everything. I'm talking about like random strangers affirm things. They walk up to you, take a picture with you after the soccer game because they're like, holy cow. You know, like people affirm things in you. Here's, here's, the, here's one thing I love uh, in, my back, in my background is when people who don't even like me affirm things like chemistry is not even there not even really we don't even like it's not that we're mad at each other we hate each other it's just that we don't really necessarily click uh and they're still like yeah i don't really like you that much you're amazing at that right so it's, it's that moment where you have an objective third party affirm and recognize something in you and i want for us as a culture of soma where we're helping one another into our purpose by affirming what needs to be affirmed we walk across the room and tell someone don't just think a thing don't just think, wow, they're amazing at that, and then never tell them. It's that moment that I have time and time again doing pastoral work at funerals where people say things at funerals that they wish they would have said when people were alive. So like just take the time to affirm what needs to be affirmed and watch what happens as you do it. Watch the life that you give to someone as you affirm them and recognize the gifts that they have. Here's the sixth one is passions and convictions. What are you compelled to pursue and again, this kind of goes along with inward desires, but what, what passion will drive, passion drives you towards a place of purpose. I think about Elon Musk, uh, th this crazy joker. I think about how he built the SpaceX program, privately funded exploration program, so much financial risk. Why? Because he's so passionate about it. 
he could just go buy an island and just like live and just be like whatever. But like he, but he decided, you know what? I'm like, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna explore space. We're going to Mars. It's worth worth the risk. And I think spiritually, it's so sad to me when someone kind of like in a, in a secular format has that much passion about a thing, and that we as the church sometimes we just lack a sense of passion for the things of God or the call that He has on our life. It's like you ought to wake up in the morning, excited to be on mission for where God wants you to go. And so passions and convictions. Number seven is circumstances and opportunity. What opportunity is in front of you right now? What, what right now is in front of you? God opens doors. He closes doors. He creates opportunity. There's an opportunity for you to live out your purpose right now. I know some people, and they'll say, man, if I just had... Like, if I just had this specific situation, if I just had this much money, if I just lived here, if I just had that degree, if my parents were these people, if you fill in the blank with whatever your excuses are for not stepping into the purpose that God has for you. But it's like, just if I just had X, and meanwhile, God's like, I've given you an incredible opportunity to exercise your gifts and grow in the grace and the call that I have on your life. But in order to get here, you got to faithfully steward that. So like, what's in my hand? God, what have you given me? What opportunities do I have currently to live out the call and the purpose for my life? And then trust you that one day, like, it's going to look different because of me stewarding what you've, what you've put in front of me right now. Um, and so those are the seven, I think, as we're thinking through, okay, what's my purpose and what's my call? And then I'm going to throw some scripture at you this morning. Um, this is how people all throughout the scripture discover their purpose. This is what we see in the Bible. Number one is there's a call from birth. We've already mentioned it, but that God has your purpose in front of you and there's a call from birth. And Jeremiah, um, there's this great moment where the prophet Jeremiah is um, back and forth with God. And uh, in verse four, it says, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Before you were even born, this was my assignment. Then I said, oh, Lord, behold, I do not know how to speak. Jeremiah is giving excuses as to why he can't take, take hold of this purpose. I'm only a youth. And then the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a youth. And so some of us, we look at the thing that we feel like God's called us to but then we look at our resume or we look at our lack of resources or we look at our lack of pedigree or we look at our you fill in the blank with whatever. Right. And you think I can't do that. But that's exactly why God called you to it. He called you to something. Your purpose is always so much bigger than you. Your purpose is always bigger than your natural gifts. Your purpose is always bigger than your own abilities. It's always bigger than your resources. If it's not, it's not your purpose. Because God, God desires to get glory in your life, and the only way to do that is to call you something so much bigger than yourself. And so what, what's the things, what's the areas where it, it requires risk, it requires faith, it requires sacrifice, it requires you to trust him more? Jeremiah's like, man, I can't do it. I don't know how to speak. And God's like, exactly. That's why I got you, bro. I'm a youth. Exactly. And so, so some of us need to stop disqualifying ourselves from the thing that God's purposed you for. The Bible tells us he exalts the humble. So you're in a great headspace if you think, man, I'm not very good at it. I can't do it. And he's like, good. Now we're ready, right? <laughs> you're good. Like biblically, you meet the qualifications for God doing great things through you. 
And uh, because he, he already knows that. And it brings him more glory to use the humble and, and to, to exalt the humble and to accomplish his will. Look at this verse. It goes on in this passage. He says, for to all to whom I send you, Jeremiah, you will go. And whatever I command you, you're going to say it. Do not be afraid of them, for I'm with you to deliver you. And he's saying that, that my power... Uh, that really makes the whole thing go in the first place is going to be on display in your weakness and your dependency on me. And when you're in your sweet spot, uh, we've each, everybody in this room has a unique calling, but when you're in your God-given purpose, there's going to come a time, hopefully more often than not, where you come, you come to the end of your own strength and you have to trust him for his. I'm going to start this business. I'm an entrepreneur. I got a dream. It's a God dream in my heart. I know he's placed it there. I don't know how we're going to do it. He's like, good. Okay, cool. <laughs> now we're ready. I feel called to teach. I show up to teach. These kids are wilding out. Uh, crazy. I don't, I don't think I could do this. Good. Now you're ready. Right? So it's like, whatever the thing is, if it feels bigger than you, uh, that's, a, that's a great place to be. And so first one, knowing that I've got a call on my life from birth. But the second one is there's this growing awareness. Growing awareness. And I think about the story of Joseph in Scripture if you're familiar with Joseph, one of 12 brothers, firstborn son of Rachel and most beloved son of Jacob. He's given over to this coat of many colors, this colorful coat, loves to wear it, wears it everywhere, sleeps in it, showers in it. His brothers hate him a little bit, tells him stories. Hey, I had this dream the other night. It's kind of crazy. You bow down to me. It was wild, right? They're eating cereal. They're like, we hate this guy. And then they tells him another dream. Hey, not only did you bow down, planets were bound down. Mom and dad were bound down. Everybody was bound down to me. And, and again, they hate him a little bit. So they, they beat him up, throw him in a pit, sell him into slavery. Um, it's crazy. Uh, but, but they sell him into slavery. And so he ends up at the house of this guy named Potiphar. And so he's serving in Potiphar's house. Everything he does is excellent. Everything Joseph does just feels excellent. And so he's always given incredible opportunities. And so, so much so that now he's in command of Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife likes Joseph. He is a handsome young man. She comes on to him. He's like, I'm good. And she's like, no, we're, we're doing He's like, no, I'm good. And so anyway, there's a whole backstory. You need to read it. And uh, he ends up in prison, ends up in prison. Potiphar's like, you're crazy. Uh, you're going to prison. Ends up in prison, to, interprets the dream of two guys. One guy dies. One guy's restored to his role. The guy who's restored to his role forgets that he interpreted the dream. That's so jacked up. So he's just sitting there. He's like in prison, rotting away. He's thinking, what is my life? I had this dream that people would bow down. God, I had this dream that you had a call on my life. I felt favored in this season. I've been in prison. I've been beaten. I've been sold into slavery. I've been like, it's a, it's a wreck. Like people coming on to me. I'm not trying to be about that. Like, you know, it's just a hard time. Ends up in front of Pharaoh, interprets Pharaoh's dream. And then Pharaoh puts him in a position where he's basically over all of Egypt. And hindsight, here's what Joseph says to his brothers. As his brothers repent for what they did to him, here's what he says, Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me. God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What a perspective. And I'm saying that to say there needs to be this growing awareness in your life and my life that the relationships that you have and the gifts that you have and the passions that you have and even the hard, most broken moments of your life, the painful things that you've gone through, he will redeem and put purpose on those things. Give you over to a perspective like Joseph and go, you know what? You did all of that. And here's why God's doing it in your life. 
for the saving of many lives. Your, your most hardest, the hardest things you've navigated are going to be the things that God leverages the most for the saving of many lives. Your family members, your friends, your coworkers, the people who are closest to you, your most broken spaces are the things that God desires to leverage, redeem, put purpose on those things. God wants to use what you've been through for the saving of many people's lives. And so he, he wants you to use your disappointment and your loss and your struggles and your broken relationships with your parents and your addiction and your alcoholism, the abortion that you had, your poverty, any, any area of sin, brokenness, things done to you, things you've done to yourself, he can redeem every bit of it, put purpose on it, and use it to encourage and equip others and draw others to himself. Uh, but your misery becomes your ministry, and you can't discover the purpose in your pain until you find freedom from your past. We talked about that last week. And it's not just a one-time freedom. Again, Paul tells us in Ephesians 1, if you know God, you can know him better. The eyes of your heart need to be enlightened not once, all the time. You need freedom and deliverance all the time. Hey, what's the things, God, that you really want to use in my life in this season, but I just haven't handed you yet? And, and again, you need a growing awareness of what those things are. And then here's the third thing, is walking through open doors. Because again, you have opportunities in this season, some of which you've kind of turned your nose up at, or, or you haven't paid attention to, or you don't care, or whatever. But walking through open doors. God says, he, he opens doors that no man can shut, and he says that he shuts doors that no man can open. That's what he says in Scripture. So when you see an opportunity and you wonder what's on the other side of that, you never know until you, like, step into it. That's how you figure it out. Uh, just, again, you, you, you read the Word and you go, God, what's your direction for my life? What have you already said? I don't have to ask you questions about certain things. You've already said them. And then by your Spirit... What are you leading me to do? What's the, op the opportunity of the open doors in this season? And in the Bible, I think about Esther. So Queen Esther, she's adopted, comes from this broken family. She's, she's a Jew in Babylonian culture. And uh, the king at the time, he's upset with the queen. And basically, at that time, you can just fire the queen. So he fires the queen, has a beauty pageant. He's like, I like that one. Esther's chosen. That's literally, read your Bible. And that's how he picks his new wife. She's Jewish, not Babylonian, and she serves God. And, and God made a way for the salvation of his people through this open door moment that she totally could have just been like, I'm good. That's crazy. I'm like, she felt God's call in her life. She felt compelled to do this thing. She had family affirm it. And, um, and, and so he didn't have to use Esther. God didn't have to use Esther. He chose to use Esther. He doesn't have to use you. He chose to use you. He wants to use you. And so here's what he says uh, in Esther 4, 14. That he's talking to Esther, he says, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish, and who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time at this, as this. And I love that first line. Hey, if you remain silent, Esther, relief and deliverance for the Jews it's coming. You're not that important. <laughs> Everything doesn't hinge on you. All uh, right. And so that's good news. It frees us up a little bit to go. I'm not responsible for everybody's salvation. I'm not responsible for everybody's looking like Jesus or following Jesus. And, and, and God is going to build his church. Jesus promises to build one thing, church. And he's like, I will build it. Take it to the bank. You could be a part. I'd love for you to be a part or you don't have to be a part, but I really want you to be a part. And I paid for everything that you're carrying around. 
and, and I've got forgiveness and I've got grace and I've got deliverance on the other side of surrender and obedience and you just step into the abundant life that I paid for, I, I really want you on my team. But guess what? Even if you don't decide to join me in that, I'll still build it. I'll still be after people. I'm still going to pursue you. I'm still going to pursue the person sitting next to you. And it doesn't hinge on you. And so he says, hey, the, the, the deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you just miss out, Esther. If you don't step into the open door, you just miss out. I just think about like our own experience uh, in just this, in, in starting Soma like years ago. So 20, end of 2017, beginning of 2018, as we're praying about starting the church. And it's one of those things where I didn't feel particularly graced or to, to start a church. Didn't have any history with it. Didn't have any family. I mean, I had a, some friends and like extended family who had done it and things like that, but didn't know anything about it. Church to Sinus didn't know anything about it. And so I went to family and friends and people in that season. We were like, hey, God's called us to plant a church. And, and my parents and people who loved us, they were like, but did he though? You know what I mean? Like they were, they were like, but okay, ask him again. You know what I mean? Can, like, can we get like a real job or, you know, that, because they're worried. They're like, how many kids you got? You got lots of kids, bro. Like, and so they're just doing the math and they're thinking that's high risk. That's crazy. It was an open door and an opportunity. And, and we had a sending church and we had a sending uh, couple like in senior pastors who, does, who saw a call in our life. We didn't have resources. We had zero dollars. We might've had negative dollars. You know what I mean? Like we had, we didn't have resources, but man, we had a call and we had an open door and we had an opportunity and it was just deciding, do we want to do it? Do we want to miss out? Because here's what I, I firmly believe. If we hadn't answered the call, somebody would have. And, and listen, God desires to do incredible things through your life. He wants to use you in profound ways. He will give you over to a dream. He will give you over to a vision. He'll give you over to a passion. He'll give you over to a, a, a fixed perspective on Christ and what that should look like in your life. What, and you don't have to change your job. Some of y'all are thinking, dang, I spent 30 years doing the, the wrong thing. You don't have to change your job. You don't have to move. You just have to put purpose on what, whatever it is that you're going through, wherever you're at, just take the things that you're naturally amazing at and just usher that into to the space and the place of work that you're in. And, and some, some of it may require moving and some of it may require, like, listen, being faithful to God and being obedient to God may require you to sell out. It may require you to go back to school. It may require you to change vocation, but it doesn't have to. Like, I'm just telling you, purpose is just on you, and he's called you. And where, are you going to see the, the open door opportunities that you have in this season and go, that's an amazing opportunity? Because some people might look at your opportunity and go, that's not that great of an opportunity. <laughs> but, but, but that opportunity is going to give way to a greater opportunity if you take the, what looks like on paper a not great opportunity and steward it well. If it's a God assignment, if you steward it well, It'll be, given to, it'll be given over to a greater purpose. I promise you. That's the way he works. And so three is walking through open doors. Four is a God encounter. A God encounter. Acts 9, 1 through 6. This is what we need. This is what happens to Paul. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus and so that he found if anybody there belonging to Jesus a follower of him, belonging to the way, whether women or men, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, 
Saul, why do you persecute me? And he says, who are you, Lord? And I love that because uh, Paul has enough sense in that moment. Like, he's like, this is a deal. Like, I love that he calls him Lord, doesn't even know his name. He's like, all right, you're clearly Lord. What is your name again? And so he, here's what he says after that. He says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And some of us in this space today, we've had, we've had a God encounter. Maybe it was a God encounter that you had 20 years ago. Maybe it was a God encounter that you had three years ago. Maybe it was a God encounter you had last week. You got to have a moment before you really step into the assignment and the purpose that he has had for your life from before you were born. You got to have a moment where you encounter him and you realize who you are in relationship to who he is. Paul steps into assignment where he gives his life over to the sake of the gospel, plants more churches than anybody, writes two-thirds of the New Testament, but God meets him in a space, again, a murderer, and one who's there at the execution of Christians, one who persecuted the way of Jesus, and God in his sovereignty decided, that's the guy I want. Because some of us have disqualified ourselves from being used by God in great ways because we think we're too broken or too far gone, or, or God could never use my mess, my addiction, my struggle, my sin, whatever. There's never been a greater lie come out of hell than that right there. Read your Bible. Everybody that God chooses, everybody that God calls, everybody God purposes has incredible baggage. And so, like, just let him leverage that, redeem it, put purpose on it. And again, you can be given over to a great purpose. But you got to realize, you got to have a moment where you encounter him. You got to have a moment where you see, just like Paul does, risen Jesus. And Paul comes alive in this moment where he experiences risen Christ. The moment of your salvation is the moment you realize what Jesus did in your place 2,000 years ago. Again, nothing necessary for your own salvation other than accepting the free, the free gift of grace that God offers. And, and, and you seeing yourself, you finally seeing yourself in need of a Savior, in need of a Lord, in need of God outside of you, doing things inside of you that only he can get credit for. And Paul has this incredible God encounter. You cannot discover purpose, not to which you've been called. I'm not saying you can't enjoy things. I'm not saying you can't have hobbies or be good at things. God's common grace is on your life. I'm just saying there is a God calling and assignment on your life that you're never going to fully realize until you know him so that you can experience freedom, so that you can be given over to purpose, so that ultimately you, can, you and I can be a part of something so much bigger than the part that we play and make a difference together. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for every family in this room. God, thank you for those children who are being dedicated today uh, at all of our services. God, I pray for the families. I pray for just a covering in this season and a protection for these homes. By your word and by your spirit, would you just guide them into the abundant life you paid for and, and just create in their home, God, an environment where those kids are, are drawn closer to you, where they hear the name of Jesus, where they see mom and dad pray, where, they, where they, they hear scripture read, where they're reminded of what your truth is for their lives, the promises that you have, not what their, their friends say, not what the kids at school say, not what somebody else says, not even what their parents say, but what you say about who they are. I pray that happens for them. For every, for every person who's in this room, God, I pray by your spirit, you just lift their head, help them to see and experience the risen Christ just like Paul did. God, we need an encounter with you. It's not a one-time thing. We just need to be reminded of who you are pretty regularly. 
we drift. And so would you give us over to a moment where we see you, that you have a call and a purpose for our life. Help us to not settle or go through the motions or drift our whole life long and, and really forsake. Abdicate responsibility on the call that you have for our life. We have a span of care. We have people that we can reach and serve. We have, we have, we have kingdom to build, God. And if, and if we don't accept the assignment, you're still going to do it. We just miss out. Help us not to miss out. If you're here today and you've never had a moment where you fully surrendered your life to Christ, I'm talking about going all in. We're in a series called Going, going All In. I'm not talking about you were in church or you have three Bibles at home or, or who your mom and dad is or whatever. I'm talking about the moment that you have a relationship with Jesus, you hand him the keys, you fully surrender your life, and you say, I'm so tired of playing games or trying to do this in my own strength. I cannot do it in my own strength. And I need a moment where I have an encounter with you because I need to come alive in you. And I need you to do what only you can do in my life. I'm so tired of carrying baggage. I'm so tired of carrying struggles. I'm so tired of carrying sin. God, I want to be given over to a great purpose and a conviction. I want to be given over to some eyes that are fixed on you so I can live out the call and the purpose on my life. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you want to experience salvation, the Bible tells us that if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths that he is Lord, then we're saved. I want to give you an opportunity for confession this morning with all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If that's you and you say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus, would you just lift your hand in the room and say, that's for me. I desperately want to begin a relationship with him. I need to know him. Amen. Amen. I see hands. Is there anybody else? This is for me. This prayer, this moment is for me. An opportunity for, to, for God to meet me in this space. And so right where you're at, just pray this prayer. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for doing everything necessary for my salvation. I'm saved by grace. But now, God, would you just give me over to good works? Help me to see the hope to which I've been called. Find myself in the glorious inheritance of your holy people. Help me to root myself in church. God, surround myself with biblical community, people who love you, people who love me, so that I can become more like Jesus. Help me to just submit and surrender my life to your word. I'm not going to do it perfect. I am going to mess up. But God, would you just... Would you just, by your spirit, again, shape me and mold me into the purpose, the, the person that you've called me to be, the man or the woman of God that you've called me to be. And God, I pray the same thing for our church family in this season. Stir our hearts and our affection for you. Give us over to a bolder vision and a bolder faith and more trust in all areas of our life and not settle. But Jesus, to just see you for who you are, see how much you love us, all the things that you have in store for us. You have a great purpose and a call for everyone who's here. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.